This is episode 151 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are How to Win a Gunfight, The 14 Things You Need to Remember, and Things to Scavenge Off of Old and Abandoned Vehicles in an SHTS Situation. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, Ray left me uh, an art, uh, a comment on episode 150. Uh, we're going to make Ray uh, a co-host here at the Prepper Website Podcast. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, Ray's all over the place, so he's over at Prepper Church, and he, he likes a lot of uh, the articles over there on uh, that Facebook page and uh, he's a member of the Facebook group so uh, I appreciate his uh, his engagement and also the prepper website uh, page uh, Facebook page as well over there but he said hey I, I know the longer podcasts are taken away from your family but I am greedy and love the longer ones you must do what is best for you and your family so thanks for the comment Ray uh, yeah you know and the thing is even with two articles yesterday um, it was still at like 37 right under 38 minutes and that's just I guess I'm becoming more comfortable talking, like I said yesterday, and just kind of yapping and stuff. And hopefully I'm not yapping and just uh, for yapping's sake, right? And just to, to be able to put more minutes on the on the, the podcast. Uh, hopefully it's valuable there, or at least I'm sharing information that you know maybe that you're you're definitely interested in. But um, it was it was right under 38 minutes. And the thing is, that's the that's the final product. I don't do a whole lot of editing. Uh, as as you can uh, imagine now, uh, and I've been doing the videos. So speaking of episode 150, I've been doing the videos and haven't had too much of like bloopers or anything like that. And now the thing with the the video is that I'm doing the video and I am not. Uh, it's recording while I am doing the podcast, and so it's recording my desktop. So everything that uh, I'm looking at, you're seeing, and all those kinds of things, the different uh, tabs that I'm clicking on, you're seeing. Uh, and so I haven't had any real issues up until uh, yesterday. And uh, yesterday I uh, I could not say survival trailers. I don't know why. I just could not get it out. And uh, I kept messing up, messing up. And I just you know. And then my wife thought I was I had paused it and didn't she didn't realize I was doing the videos and stuff and that I didn't edit the videos out. And so uh, that was kind of funny. So uh, you know I had my first real blooper I guess on episode 150 uh, uh, yesterday. And uh, so, uh, you know, if you're if you're interested in the the videos and those, you can go check those out. Uh, but you know, that's going to be a full. That was a full 39 minutes. So I it's about you know uh, about two minutes I cut out of uh, of the podcast, uh, just editing it out and different things like that. So um, hey, uh, if you are maybe getting your news from the podcast and, and maybe you just you're not familiar with what's going on uh, for whatever reason. Um, there was a really big earthquake. Now, you know, I'm recording this on Tuesday night. This is the Wednesday podcast. I'm recording Tuesday night. Uh, there was a very big earthquake in Mexico. Uh, at the, I think it was a 7.1. Um, yeah, it was a 7.1. And it was a very, I think they said about 400 miles away from where that 8.1 was last week. Now, um, you know, I, I always look to, uh, again, I, I talk about suspicious observers a lot. And, and recently I've been talking a lot about them because we've had a lot of craziness and, uh, you know, solar activity and stuff like that. And actually it's going to start gearing up here again. But anyway, um, 
So I go over to, to his website to see what he says because he, he tracks earthquakes and stuff. And they were predicting this area. And uh, actually on the map in the, the app that you get, uh, it, it was showing like a, a black uh, mark on, on that coast. And uh, But when I went to go read one of his posts on uh, Facebook and he was like, I really can't say that we, you know, this one doesn't really qualify as, you know, uh, we're calling it because this is more of an aftershock. Although it was 7.1, uh, it was still an aftershock. So uh, crazy, crazy. Uh, if you if you did not see the things, and so I mean, I've never been in an earthquake myself. Uh, some of you who live in in like you know in California and stuff who who have uh, experienced it, um, it's I couldn't believe. You know, you always hear about. Uh, building swaying and and things like that you always hear that and you kind of wonder or you they talk about the ground you know swaying and moving and stuff and you're like okay is that like well what exactly is that well the thing is is that this mexico quake there was there's video all over the place and um there's there's i mean it was crazy to see some of these buildings actually shaking the way that they were shaking i mean it was like they were swaying back and forth and so uh, if you go, uh, so when, this, uh, when the earthquake hit, probably about 30 minutes to an hour later, you started seeing a lot of video on Twitter. And, uh, you know, that's, I, I, you know, so anyway, there's uh, buildings that, so let me, I'm getting all, I'm going all over the place, so you're going to have to excuse me. Uh, I'm going to link to my Twitter uh, feed on, uh, on the show notes. So if you don't have Twitter, you can still go to this. Uh, you can still go check out the feed and go check out some of these uh, these videos and stuff like that. Of course, the the, the longer we go out from this uh, this podcast episode, um, the further down the feed they're going to be. But if you definitely if you see it tomorrow or the next day, you'll be able to just you know scroll down my feed a little bit and you'll be able to see all these videos. And so I like I said, I mean there's um, there's buildings that um, are kind of like crumbling and and things are falling off of it. Uh, there's a video where there's a big explosion uh, f- from a building and video caught that. I mean, it's a huge explosion. Uh, there was a video uh, with people inside of, uh, it kind of looks like a bank and everything is swaying. I mean, they're like in the, uh, they're in a, a hallway there. Um, and uh, see, this one is, um, yeah, you're, oh, Actually, this one, this isn't the actual video, but this, uh, this building that I'm looking at right now, uh, if you're on the video and you see this one, this one actually crumbles. Um, it's, it's so crazy. I don't believe it's this one here, uh, but it actually, yeah, it is. I'm sorry. This one actually crumbles. I mean, this whole, uh, yeah, this, this whole building falls down. I mean, it's crazy. Um, but anyway, I'm gonna. I want to get to the one. So you, you. There's this big old like uh, wide view of the cityscape, and you have all these buildings, and you have like smoke coming from all the buildings. Um, there's. Uh, I've never like again. I've never been to Mexico City. I don't know what it's like. Uh, there's kind of like a river. I guess it's kind of like uh, maybe something similar to. Uh, I don't know San Antonio or whatever. Maybe a little bit bigger if you're ever uh, familiar with the Riverwalk. Uh, I really don't know. I really can't explain it to you. But there's people like on boats, and they kind of look like they're tur- tourists. But um, you know, when this earthquake hit, there's all these serious, uh, you know, uh, waves and everything that uh, happen, and it seems like it continues going for a while. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to get to that one where the the building is is waving. I mean, it's it was pretty. It was it was it's wow. I mean, it's 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 still just looking at it. Uh, you can't get over it. I mean, there's two buildings, and one of them is just it's really. And this one is swaying so much that like windows are popping out and different things like that, and people are running out of it. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it's, it, they have like 119 people have died so far, and, and it's only been a few hours since the earthquake hit. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's going to rise. That number is going to rise as they go, and that's just in, from what I uh, from what I tweeted uh, or retweeted. That's just in Mexico City uh, alone, 119 people. So uh, there's going to be a, there's a lot of destruction. You know, they had that big one, the 8.1. I'm sure that weakened a lot of things, and then you have this this 7.1 uh, coming right behind it. And so, uh, keep these people in your prayers. I mean, we've got a lot to be praying about. I mean, we've got we still have the destruction in Houston, and we still have Florida that is really in bad shape. Uh, the electrical system is over there, and it's pretty much not even in the news anymore. Uh, you know, Houston and, and, and or you know the Gulf Coast and, and Florida over there. And then, you know, you're not really hearing too much about fires and stuff. Uh, Irma devastated the islands, and now you have Maria coming right behind uh, behind it. And so, um, you know, I talked about it at the beginning, I guess on the Monday podcast, uh, that uh, Ben over at Suspicious Observers was saying that because of the solar activity, it could push the the hurricane a little bit further west. And that was one, he gave the example of Irma, and that was one reason why it didn't hit Miami. If it would have hit Miami, they said it would be like an extra $115 billion worth of damage. And so it pushed it a little bit further west. So right now, the, the track of Maria is going up north. So if it does hit, uh, it's probably going to hit way up north, the northeastern you know, coast or whatever. But um, I don't, so I don't know how far west it could push it. And he was... Um, he was explaining that there's no real models uh, that incorporate the solar activity into it, but it's just from experience that they have been seeing that you know when there is an, uh, a hurricane, I think I just said earthquake, uh, when there is a hurricane and there is a lot of solar activity, that uh, hurricanes tend to push westward. If there's not, they tend to go north. And so uh, you know the you have uh, the remnants of Jose, I think, is is uh, getting ready to hit. Uh, I think they said New Jersey, and so people are getting ready over there. But Maria is bad, man. I mean, it's it's uh, it's wiped out a lot. You know, one of the guys that works in the cafe uh, in in my office office building, uh, he's from Puerto Rico, and all his family is in Puerto Rico, and uh, he's very very nervous. He was he was he was very happy that Irma didn't really. Uh, it kind of just sideswiped him a little bit, and it wasn't even the dirty side of the of the hurricane. But this one is going to be devastating. And uh, from the accounts that I see, I mean, they're kind of like, uh, you know, the government there in Puerto Rico is kind of hoarding uh, supplies and stuff like that. So who knows what's going to happen? What you know, how bad that's going to get? So we got to keep these people in our prayers too. And again, you, know, you got all these crazy things going on. Uh, and all these things happening, and you know, you kind of gotta start thinking to yourself, man, what what is going on? Is there something more? Is there is there something that um, <clears throat> is there a lesson here that we need to be learning, right? Uh, not just preparedness, but anyway. So uh, a lot of good stuff there. Go check out the YouTube channel, um, and then uh, the you know Prepper website, Twitter uh, account if you're interested in seeing some of those videos. You know, the videos aren't very long; they're like 40 seconds a minute. 
uh, very, very, very interesting. If you've never seen anything like that, I mean, I just like that was a wow for me. Hey, uh, I do appreciate uh, those of you who are uh, making your purchases, uh, uh, making your Amazon purchases through our link. Um, that's just a really big blessing, and I just wanted to say that because I, I, I see that I notice it. There's a, a little bit of an uptick there. And so, you know, no matter what you're buying, if you go over to our website or even if you go to, to Prepper website um, and you just click on an Amazon, any Amazon link and it takes you to Amazon, whatever you buy, even if it's not preparedness related, we get a little bit of, of a percentage. And so I'm not doing, you know, Patreon. I'm not asking for donations. I, I've never gotten, you know, the, I've never gotten to that place. I never really want to get to that place. I guess I could do Patreon and, and do the videos. That could be part of it, but I, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, if you support the, the podcast and and uh, you support, and I, I don't know, eventually I might do some sponsors with the podcast or whatever. I, I still don't know what I'm going to do there. But if you, um, if you support uh, the podcast that way, I mean, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, and then from time to time I do share, uh, the, actually this Friday I'm going to have uh, yeah, a, a flash a deal for you. Uh, and I don't know, I guess I'll be able to talk about it on the Friday podcast. It'll be late Thursday that I release it. And so I'll be able to talk about it. Uh, but it releases Friday. So if you like listen to the Friday podcast late Thursday night, you won't be able to take advantage of it. But Friday morning, you will be able to. And I'm going to send it out on the pod, on the email uh, as well. But uh, this is, you know, so when I send out those kinds of things, if you want to support it, uh, if you are if those are things that are interesting to you and like, hey, yeah, you know, I can kind of see uh, myself purchasing this or this is something useful, this is something that I would like. Uh, a lot of the times those are affiliates for me as well. And so I do get a little percentage of that as well. So that is a way that you could support uh, Prepper website and the podcast as well. And so, uh, you know, you can you can go at it that way. So, again, I just wanted to say I appreciate it. Those of you that uh, support the podcast that way. All right. So let's go ahead and go uh, get into our articles for the podcast. Um, again, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I got to learn to stop rambling so much at the beginning. Well, I mean, I was talking about all the earthquake stuff, so it wasn't like I was just talking about junk um, or just trying to fill time up again. Um, this first uh, article comes to us from thepreppingguide.com, and uh, I believe this is the first article that we're reading from the Prepping Guide on the podcast. Uh, they're fairly new to Prepper website. And so uh, this article is entitled, How to Win a Gunfight, the 14 Things You Need to Remember. And so I'm going to go ahead and read these. And, uh, you know, always things that you can apply and things that you can think through. Uh, there might be some things that, you know, hey, I don't know if I really believe that that's the way that I should do things. Or uh, definitely maybe that's, that's an area where I need to go get a little bit more training in. So uh, let's go ahead and read this article. Do you know how to handle yourself in a gunfight? Let's throw ourselves into a situation. Some people want your stuff or they just plain out want to kill you and all you've got is a gun lying on the ground next to you. What would you do and how would you, how would, how would you win this gunfight? So first, you've picked up the gun, pulled out the magazine and checked how many rounds you've got spare. This is all done while rounds are flying over your head and bouncing off things around you. But they're not hitting you because you've already ducked behind cover to figure out your tactics, right? Let's just say that if there were a group of people firing at me, my first thought would be to get out of there as quickly as possible, regroup with some gun-savvy would-be volunteers and come back. One big tip that might help in a gun fight three-on-one is better than one-on-three. So work with those odds and round up some friends if, 
who would be worthy, worthy of a gunfight and are up to scratch with these 14 things to remember to win a gunfight. It's not always as easy as leaving a gunfight and going to find, find some friends, but if you can, I guess that's, uh, that's the benefit. So here's some uh, 14 things. I'm not going to list them off as number one and count down that way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them for you here. Uh, have, have yourself a merry little sidearm. Weapon, fire, weapon fires, weapons stop. This is the thing they teach in, to soldiers in initial weapons training. They teach this because guns are not like a weapon in Call of Duty. They stop. You could fire one shot and the weapon might not automatically reload because you have a chunky piece of metal 5.56 jacket jammed in your ejection port. Now, while any good shooter might pull out the magazine, cock the weapon, and give the gun a right old nudge and shake just to free up the jam, you're not going to do that. In an immediate jam, you are going to sling the weapon, everyone should have a good adjustable sling, and whip out your pistol to keep firing. That pistol is your merry little backup present when the first one wasn't good enough. It is loaded and ready to dump out 33 rounds from a normal Glock mag. In this case, you'd probably use this secondary weapon to fire while you find cover and get your boomstick back into the game. For a demonstration on the quick sling of the primary to secondary weapon, we can look no further than to the training given to Keanu Reeves to become John Wick by Terran Tactical for this one. And so this article is going to have a couple of videos you're going to want to go check out. Uh, that that uh, video with Keanu Reeves going through the range, uh, I think that one's pretty popular. It's been on YouTube many, many times. Uh, but it was kind of cool to see him doing that. All right, so uh, know where your ejection port is. Movies aren't always that accurate, especially when it comes to bullet casings. Every weapon has an ejection port. Out of that comes the bit of bullet that never leaves the barrel of a gun. It's called a casing and it, it is damn hot. The first reason you should know where your ejection port is would be in the case above where your weapon jams up. Most of the time it's going to be a bullet that hasn't been struck properly and has not fed into the gun correctly. You will see this stuff up in the ejection port. The second reason, and one quickly learnt by shooting beginners, is that some weapons have ejection ports that can fire hot bullet casings onto your skin, causing a nice little bullet tattoo to be burnt into your skin. Generally, the ejection port is on the right side of the weapon, so when, you, when your would-be volunteer buddies in the gunfight are on your left, you're going to get sprayed with burning hot bullet casings. Man, let me tell you, that sucks. When you're, especially even when you're at the range and no one's next to you, uh, you know, with the, the different, uh, I guess, you know, the the booth that you're in, uh, there, there are times where it'll ricochet off the wall. You know, they have cinder block walls. It'll ricochet off the wall and land, you know, on your arm or your hand or whatever and land right in the perfect place. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that sucks. Uh, so what should you do about this? Suck it up. There's, they're on your side and you've got bullets coming at you. But if you're like this lady with a bullet casing down the top, you're probably going to be burning. So there's, a, I guess, another video where uh, a bullet casing uh, goes down this woman's uh, top. Uh, I think that one's pretty famous too. It's been on YouTube or uh, Facebook as well. Um, I shoot, you run. If you're not shooting, you should be running. Tell your buddies in the gunfight the same thing. Try to synchronize it. If you are retreating, one person shoots while the other runs. Repeat this until you are in your abandoned building or bunker hideout. 
The, this works the other way in the attack. If you have sized the enemy as being reasonable for your capacity and you decide to attack, shoot in their direction while your buddy runs. Let's hope he is smart enough to figure out he should do the same. The process of your buddy shooting while you run is called covering. This is why you hear that great term, covering fire. This is also referred to as fire and movement. And if you've been in the military, you cringe, you'd cringe just hearing these words as that is a lot of the combat practice in the field which turns to element in elements in urban training. Keep your eyes on three things at the same time. The guy shooting at you, your buddy, and possible cover. These three things are the only things you should be looking at. You should be watching where your enemy is, where you last saw them, or where they sound like they are shooting from. You should be watching this because when your buddy is moving, this is where you are shooting. You should be watching your buddy and listening out for his gun. If he is shooting, you move. If you don't hear any shots from him, the prob that probably means his weapon is jammed or he is just plain useless. In some cases, that uselessness can also cause a jam. Be warned. On top of this, you should always be looking for the next place you are going to move to. If you are in a retreat, this is basically putting solid things behind you. If you are attacking, this is stuff in front of you. Always be looking for covering spots. Why? Because the next point is why. I'm up. He sees me. I'm down. This is what you say when you run. As soon as you take your first step, you should say to yourself, I'm up. He sees me. I'm down. This is enough time to move and not allow your enemy to take a steady aim and kill you. If you run longer than this, anyone with a sense of aim can take a quick sighting and put some metal your way and possibly land a hit. So don't let it happen. When the phrase says down, this doesn't refer to dropping to the ground. It is whatever you deem a safe place to fire from. If it is a wall or over the front of a car, use it as cover and shoot while your buddy moves. You can see how these guys from Polliner Tactical work in unison to provide covering fire for their, for their buddies running. Eventually, this would get you close enough to the enemy to grenade them or get closer to get your buddy in a flank. So again, another video for you. The phrase is something that is regularly repeated in initial combat training for a lot of the world's forces. It is taught for a reason which is to keep you alive. But this will fail you if you don't adhere to the next part, which is once you are down, move for an extra few meters. Why? Well, the next point. Don't be a rabbit. Ever see a rabbit in the grass? It bends down to eat, pops its head back up, and bends down again. You give your friend a, a nudge in the arm and say, hey, check out two meters left of that tree. There's a rabbit. And before you know it, the rabbit has popped his little head up in the exact same spot. Boom. If you were the rabbit, you would be dead. In a gunfight, if you see someone running, you are going to aim it at their last seen place and wait until they pop out to shoot them. So with the principle mentioned before, once you leave the visibility of your enemy, whether it be behind a car, wall, or whatever, move and crawl a few meters before popping up to shoot. Make sure the movement is lateral to the enemy. Think of it as getting out of the X. In an urban environment, this can only work so well, as you might be behind a car or a single-spaced object with very little crawl distance. Make do with what you can, but remember the idea of the rabbit popping up in the same place. Yeah, I'm, uh, one of the reasons why this, I guess this article spoke to me to read it today uh, is that I'm listening to Mark Goodwin's 
uh, last book of uh, uh, the days of Elijah. And so, uh, you know, I'm in this. I'm in the part right now where they are, uh, you know, they're in a fight and a gunfight. And so, uh, you know, I when I parked today and you know got out of my my vehicle, I hadn't totally finished, right? And so, um, I guess this was I was kind of thinking of that uh, that book, and that's a great book if you haven't uh, uh, read any of Mark Goodwin's books and you're looking for good prepper fiction, good clean prepper fiction. Uh, you definitely need to go check that one out. I'll link to it in the uh, in the episode show notes. Um, hey, just FYI, when when I link to uh, like something that is to Amazon, like uh, like uh, Mark Goodwin's book or whatever, I, I can put it in the episode show notes on the website, but I can't put it in the show notes that go to iTunes and stuff. Uh, you know, the podcast catchers. Because um, that that blows the Amazon terms of service, and you know they can you know end my affiliate status and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, just FYI on that. When I say I'm linking to something, and uh, you know it's it's going to go to Amazon, um, you'll have to go to the website for that. All right. So the next one is be aggressive and quick. Well, let's think about some animals at the top of the food chain. All of the ones that I can think of are aggressive and quick in their attack, and you should be too, despite whether you are attacking or retreating. Why? When you are covering fire, you only have a certain amount of bullets to do so. You are hoping that we picked up a gun with a full mag when we found it at the start. Taking a gunfight slow and steady will result in getting shot. Bullets move fast, and you need to as well. Whenever you are in a gunfight, the number one rule is to be aggressive, confident, and quick. Part of being aggressive is also being on the offensive. When it comes to a gunfight, when you maintain the offensive with your buddy, hopefully more than one, you are overwhelming your enemy with so much precise force that they cannot handle the pressure and start making mistakes and panic. This puts you in control, and control is the key to winning. Be strong and aggressive when you are advancing. Picture from American Assassin. Uh, Plan like it's the last thing you ever do. Yes, it could be the last thing you ever do. Getting shot is no field trip and it can result in a massive loss of blood and death. So what are you going to do? Well, you should already have your answer for that. Plan, plan, plan. It could be anything from attacking with your buddy up until you can run a flank. Or it could be to sit and fire a few shots in the enemy's direction to probe and find out what sort of guns they have. Let's hope for your sake they don't have any mounted heavy belt fed weapons. Whatever you do, I have a plan have a plan and a backup, one if that fails. I recently wrote a post about tactical way of thinking using situational awareness. The theory of the OODA loop was developed by a military tactician and is something you should use to diagnose, dissect, and win your gunfight. The OODA loop is explained in depth in the post on situational awareness, but for an overview, it stands for observe the enemy, orient how they are acting and what you can do to counter and win that action, make a decision on the best course of action to take, and carry out that action. The loop then continues back into the observation phase. Be fit for a gunfight. By this we don't mean you should start doing push-ups in the middle of a two-way range. This is a preparatory thing and it is a big part of prepping for when the poop hits the fan. Fitness is important in a gunfight for three main reasons. It keeps you confident with a level head and tactical thinking mindset. It gets you from point A to point B quickly and efficiently, and it allows you to make a steady aim after just sprinting for your life. 
If you are not fit, get started by working with high-impact interval training. Get creative when looking for cover. Cover isn't just a place to hide. It's also a place to shoot, shoot rounds from to try and land a hit on your enemy as well as to suppress the enemy for your buddy to gain some ground. Part of this involves the flexibility and creativity that, might, that many special forces soldiers use in their field office. Chances are your gunfight is going to be in an urban environment, which means you're going to have vehicles, houses, fences, garden hedges, windows, and anything else at your disposal. Whatever you have got, use it. Navy SEAL Rich Graham teaches various methods like this at his tactical carbine course. While this video was intentionally about muzzle awareness from a concealed position, you can see how he uses the tray of a truck as a covered firing position. So again, another video for you. Bring a knife to a gunfight. You have probably heard something along the lines of don't bring a knife to a gunfight, but that is completely wrong. A knife is a piece of equipment every tactical gunfighter should have on their kit for a number of reasons. One of them is that a knife is that a knife is something you can grab in close combat when everything else fails. Remember how we said you should have a merry little sidearm? What, what if you have spent all of that ammunition getting to the enemy and it comes down to a test of strength between the two of you? No, that's not going to happen. You've got a fixed blade knife ready to use in combat. What type of knife should you be using? That's up to you, but as far as cool gear goes, you can't go past the legendary U.S. Marine K-Bar knife. If you are entering a gunfight in a car, shoot, then get out and shoot some more. Cars, and cars are bullet magnets and you are pretty well exposed if you are sitting in it, unless of course you are in the U.S. President's Beast, so you are going to need to get out of that thing quickly. But while you are getting out, you could, you could be sprayed with metal. To leave a car in a gunfight, assuming it has stopped, you should, one, fire some shots at whoever is shooting at you. This will divert their attention from shooting you to ducking. Two, open the door and hold it open with your foot. Some doors have a kickback. Three, lead with your gun out the door, aiming at the enemy and fire shots while leaving the car. And four, position yourself so that the vehicle is in between yourself and the enemy. Here is a demonstration on executing quick departure from a car under fire for tactical riflemen. So again, another video for you. All right, next is don't forget your chest rig. Okay, so if you are in a gunfight, chances are you will probably be looking for one and did not run away at the first sign of a shot. This means you are a hardened individual ready to eat lead, shoot with precision, advance towards an enemy, and make them quiver with fear from your dominant fighting skills. All of this means you probably already have something like a Condor Recon chest rig and the sweet sidearm carry of the Condor Tornado Tactical Leg Holster. You are a dangerous gunfighter by the looks of it, and with this gear you can carry more magazines, have the smaller working space between the quick draw of your magazines to the loading port of your rifle and handgun, and you can also fasten the previously mentioned U.S. Marine K-Bar knife to the molly on the rig. Last, don't get in one, but if you have to, win. Remember how we mentioned the OODA loop in number 8? Well, if you can see an opportunity to de-escalate an issue, then take it. Peace is a much better approach for all parties than exchanging fast and hot bullets. If there is a peaceful option to take, then take it. But if there isn't, then Godspeed. Alright, so uh, a lot of information over here at uh, theprepping.com. 
definitely might want to go check that one out. And uh, all the videos that are there, you'll want to go see those and uh, click on those. Um, it's always interesting. I, I do like it when, when they do, when, uh, when posts do have videos and they do, I, I think it enhances it, helps to enhance it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I always like that. So I'm going to encourage you to go check out the prepping guide. And if you haven't, if you haven't done that at all, you know, at, you know, that's a new website for you. Go ahead and, and uh, go check it out and just, just you know, uh, browse around a little bit. Um, you know, while I say that, I was thinking I was going to talk about this as well. Um, I have another website, if you're not familiar with it, uh, topprepperwebsites.com. Uh, and that's a voting website. And I made it a while back. And uh, there's over there's 200 websites on there that you can go check out. And, um, you know, so people vote on it. They have a voting link on their websites and people link. Uh, people will click on it to vote for them. And so if, you know, the big the big guys, the big websites are, of course, they're at the top. Uh, but there's a lot of smaller ones at the bottom. And you can go check those out and, uh, you know, go see what they have to say. Because sometimes the, the newer websites, I mean, they're fresh. They're coming out. They have new perspectives. And, uh, you know, you can get a lot of good information as well there, too. So if you find yourself just kind of like, hey, I, I need something to do. I'm just kind of bouncing around. Um, you can go over to topprepperwebsites.com and scroll down and uh, hit one of those, hit one of those uh, uh, smaller websites and, uh, you know, throw them a little bit of uh, uh, love while, you, while you're linking to them, while you're going to go check them out. But then also at the same time, uh, you know, uh, they have a lot of good information as well. All right. So that last uh, article was, again, thepreppingguide.com. And uh, go check that one out. All right. Our next article comes to us from bsurvival.com. And the article is entitled, Things to Scavenge Off of Old and Abandoned Vehicles in an SHTF Survival Situation. I think this is an interesting article, so uh, let's go ahead and read this one. Cars can increase chances of survival significantly if you know what to look for. This guide will show you what you need to look for. Uh, you know, when I was reading this article and preparing for the podcast, I was thinking there was there's an episode of Dual Survivor uh, with um, when David Dave Canterbury and uh, Cody Lundin were were on it, and they're, uh, they find an old abandoned truck. Uh, so some of you who watched that, uh, I didn't watch it too much after Dave was off of it. But uh, yeah, I do remember that episode and they were scavenging all these things off of this truck. And so uh, I'll talk a little bit. We're going to read this article and I'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, my memories of that, of that episode. Um, so let's go ahead and, and start here. It is estimated that there are 800 motor vehicles per 1,000 people in the United States. If you ever face a survival situation or the SHTF, you will be grateful if there are many cars around you. The car body. A car does not turn into a useless piece of junk if it does not run anymore. Most people overlook the car itself when looking for useful items. The car can be seen as a ready-to-use ready shelter that will protect you from the cold, storms, and wild animals. If it does run, then you are even better off if you stick with it. You now have a portable shelter that can take you to a secure place where your chances of survival are bigger. The trunk and glove box. The most obvious place to look are the trunk and glove box. Most people keep tools such as starter cables, first aid kits, blankets, and flashlights in their trunk. In their glove box, you will usually find food, lighters, and even maps. If you find a lighter, you can use it to start a fire, purify water, and cook food. A map can help you with navigation. Mirrors. 
Mirrors are extremely valuable in a survival situation. Cars offer a lot of mirrors to use, so finding one shouldn't be hard at all. The rear view mirror will most likely still be in the car. Mirrors can be used for signaling and, signaling and are very easy to use. Although a fire can be used for signaling as well, but could be too inconvenient since, since it attracts unwanted visitors. Mirrors, on the other hand, can signal more precise and will only alert people in a direct line of sight. Mirrors can also be used to check hard to see areas, such as snake dens. Seats. Seats can offer a lot of different uses depending on the material. With leather seats, you can create shoes and bags. Seats made of fabric can be used for warmth and clothing. And if the seat happens to have seat covers, you can use those as covers for the ground or a blanket. Headlights. If the broken glass shards happen to be long enough, you can create a handle using duct tape to make a nifty cutting tool. The headlight contains a case and a lamp that can help you start a fire. You can use the reflector of the headlight to start a fire quite easily if you have tinder and some sunlight. Due to the reflective qualities of the housing, you can use it to magnify the power of the sun and create an ember in, in the tinder. You can even use the glass found in the headlights the same way you would use a magnifying glass to start a fire. Wiring. A rope is one of the most essential items in a survival kit. You may not always carry rope with you, but luckily cars offer a lot of wire that can be used as makeshift rope. Wire found in the, in the car can be used in numerous ways. You can construct shelters with them, build traps, and hold gear together. Doors. A creative mind instantly sees a makeshift sled when looking at an old rusty car door. Door panels are very lightweight and can be used to either create a shelter or even use as a shield. It may be quite difficult to take apart a door panel, so having a multi-tool might come in handy. Seat belts. Seat belts are a great addition to the list of items to look for. Seat belts can be used as a thick or thin cord. If you prefer a thin cord, you can cut the seat belt into smaller strands. When removing the seat belt from the car, make sure to pull them out as far as they can. You really don't want to waste resources in a survival situation. A car really can be your best friend in a survival situation. Remember that a car offers even more tools than listed. But keep in mind that if you carry all the items in a backpack, every pound will count. So decide what really is needed when scavenging items for a car. All right. So, um, so yeah, the uh, someone was talking about in the comments, and I was going to say that as well, batteries and alternators. And so if it's a situation where there are a lot of vehicles and you have a lot of uh, batteries and you have a way to transport those, you, maybe you have some kind of... A small like a little cart or whatever uh, you know you could build a uh, you know a nice little battery bank and scavenge some solar panels and you can have some some power you know um, so that's one aspect of it there you have the alternator that uh, that you can use and and uh, if you can incorporate that in a way uh, you can use that to help uh, uh, you know power your 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 or charge up your uh, your batteries as well um, I remember hearing that survival story of that family that broke down like in the winter storm. They used a tire. The dad used a tire uh, to signal and to, to create a fire. And so you have that as well. Like So if you were having to signal for whatever reason, 
you could always burn the the tire. The tire will burn, so you can use that uh, for uh, you know if you needed material. Let's just say there wasn't a lot of uh, you know fuel around. You could use that uh, in in that way. Um, but you can to to create the fire, but also to signal uh, in that one uh, dual survival dual survival. Uh, show that I was thinking about. Uh, they made a shelter, and so they used the hood of the um, of the car. So they had some tools. I don't know if they. I can't remember if they found tools in the car or if they uh, they had some multi tools or whatever. But it wasn't too hard to pull that hood off, and so they used that as a roof. And so uh, you have that aspect of it as well. Um, there's always you always want to look underneath seats. Uh, if you you have a truck or something like that, you want to maybe pop the, the seats up and uh, you know look underneath there. There's always things that could be underneath there that you could use as well. Uh, you know it, there could be um, um, th there could be uh, gas in the fuel tank. Uh, you can you know with something that you can poke through the bottom of the gas of the fuel tank. Uh, you can you can get the gas out if you don't have a siphon hose. Uh, you have that ability uh, to do that as well. So just uh, a lot of things that you can do with that uh, when you think about it. And so there are, um, somebody said that with, uh, with Hur Hurricane Harvey, that there are so many flooded out cars, you know. And so you can just kind of imagine, I wonder what floodwaters do to a battery. I, I don't, I've never, I've never heard what, that, what happens to that. I don't know if somebody knows that. That'd be great if you could share that. But uh, so you have all these car batteries out there. Uh, you have, uh, you know, all these other, you know, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be put sent to auction. I don't know if they're going to be like destroyed or what, but there's thousands and thousands. I mean, someone said up to, you know, a uh, hundred thousand vehicles uh, could be, uh, you know, could be damaged from the hurricane uh, just because of the flood flooded waters and stuff. I mean, I know I have a friend that I went to school with growing up, and uh, she lost both of her vehicles. And so, uh, I mean, that, that that would completely suck, man, uh, having to to get two vehicles there. And especially, you know, depending on what kind of insurance you had on, on that, if you had insurance that would cover that or not. I mean, that's uh, got to be, again, very, very devastating for a lot of people out there. So anyway, uh, thanks to scavenge off of old abandoned vehicles in an SHTF survival situation. That's over at bsurvival.com. Uh, you know, good things there. And if you think of some other things maybe that I didn't mention or that the article didn't mention, would hey, drop me a line on episode 151 and uh, I'll share that out tomorrow on uh, on the podcast, uh, you know, because it's always helpful. People always, you know, are, it's amazing how people always come up with some really cool things and you don't always think about them. And that's what's, uh, you know, that's what's great about having the Facebook group is because, you know, people will throw out ideas out there or someone will throw out a question and, I mean, I can answer it my way, but someone will come from a different perspective and answer it. And they're both good ways. They're just different ways of looking at it. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, uh, hey, you're welcome to come on over and, and uh, request to join. Love to have you over there. And uh, if you get a chance... Love to have hear any feedback that you have. You can always hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can come to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and leave me a message in one of the comment sections there. Uh, I will I will get it. I uh, do appreciate it when you do share out the the, the episodes uh, or or the podcast, uh, the link to the podcast. Uh, that's always uh, a great blessing to me. So I really do appreciate that. With that, choose to live a more self reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.